Hello guys, welcome to this podcast Everyday Talkies which ironically does not come out daily. I am Anshul and I talk about random things to random people, majorly about life, perspectives and thinking process. It's like an interview or let's say more of a conversation with one or two guests about random topics that interest us. To be really honest, it's just a way to reduce my inhibitions in talking to people. So, come join me and enjoy. Hello guys, welcome to the new episode of Everyday Trekkies. Today we are here back again with the fifth episode of Lower Decks, which is called Cupid's Errant Arrow. Weird name. Well, we'll get into it, but we'll have to study first go through the IMDb description. I don't even know like why do I read this, but okay, just let's just read it. Mariner is suspicious of Poimler's new girlfriend. Tendian Rutherford grows jealous of a bigger starship's gear. Day by day, I'm just getting more and more sad by reading these descriptions. No, but uh, for this one, I really liked. I really liked your voice. Uh, serious, you know, uh, captain voice that you were doing. Oh. <laughs> oh well, this description does not make any sense. But okay, moving forward into the main context. Let's follow our ritual and talk about our initial impressions. So, Pushkar. Did you like this episode? I absolutely loved this episode. Maybe because I did not like the last one that much. This one was like a huge step up for me. I really, really enjoyed it. There were, I think, like three different plot lines going on there, and all three of them were amazing for me. Uh, what about you? Oh, I absolutely loved it. I think episode by episode, the standard is increasing for me. I'm really loving it. Again, it is heavily content-driven. I would say there were multiple, uh, you know, stories happening. So I really liked that and the way they switched through, and each of them had their quirks, which we'll surely talk about. But then, yeah, it was an amazing episode. Yeah, it's uh, surprising to think how much they jammed into this episode in like 21 minutes. There were so many references. Oh damn! I was trying to keep count. So let's go character by character, and soon the plot plots will unveil. Okay, for this one, I think we have to do. We have to take it in pairs. We'll start with the A plot. which uh, revolves around Boimler and Mariner so the basic premise is that the Saritos has come to help the ship called the Vancouver with a mission that is about blowing up a moon so that it does not crash into a planet while this is happening Boimler is at the Vancouver where he's like really excited to meet his girlfriend he has a girlfriend now apparently uh, who he just met last month and you get mariner who's like first of all she does not believe him she's like uh, is she a holodeck person which is like that is a very insane thing to do according to voyager basically yeah so the a plot line revolves around boimler trying to you know not be jealous of his girlfriend and her ex boyfriend and mariner trying to prove basically that this something is wrong with this girlfriend and something uh, she's not a real person and she's maybe just using him or she's a shapeshifter or she's a parasite or something because uh, she thinks that Boimler could not possibly score a girl who is as talented as Lieutenant Barbara Brinson right the first thing i want to mention is in every episode the first note has always been the theme song still kicks ass like i cannot get over how good this theme song is then secondly uh, i want to talk about the animation because the opening shot where you see all 
all these planets awesome they look absolutely beautiful like the whole scenario of the you know moon slowly imploding it looks absolutely amazing and we get on to you know boimler trying to i don't know he already has a girlfriend but he's still trying to impress her with you know he's like uh, what are the coolest clothes in history just like make a mishmash of it and i'll go wear this and try to impress and so my note just says like boimler is such a dark <laughs> where he is okay the best thing about to, to to come out of this a plot line i think was we find out that brad boimler's full name is brad word boimler <laughs> Well, that was a weird name for sure. Yeah, and I loved that for the rest of the episode, Mariner just calls him Brad Bird, like nothing else. Well, that's my remember for you. Yeah, and I liked how the uh, plot proceeded, where it kind of went on this whole typical sitcom thing, where Boimler tries to go, you know, impress his girlfriend, who's like already impressed with him, but then he goes and constantly keeps screwing up. But then I really liked the way that uh, they subverted some of these scenarios, where even though Boimler embarrasses himself and And, you know, uh, Barbara. St- she's still okay with it. She's still putting up with it. Uh, and then even Mariner is trying to embarrass them. Like Mariner is completely. Uh, she's become fully paranoid. She's like convinced that there is something wrong with this thing. And I found it somewhat sad that, like, in the end, we basically find out that both of them are suspicious that the other uh, person is basically either a shapeshifter or par- parasite because both of them think that the other one is too cool to hang out with Boimler. And so I kind of found that really sad. Because like everybody thinks that Boimler is such a loser that nobody would hang out with him unless you know he unless something would must be wrong with him. Will you finally get to know that Boimler was the one hanging out with the parasite in his head, and that is why Barbara got probably attracted or got into him? The happy ending was for Barbara and the parasite and. Poor Boimler was left uh, all alone back again. The good part you could say in this way is uh, Parvara was into Boimler for the parasite, but Mariner was there from the beginning in spite of the parasite just because of his darkness. So well, that relationship is worth to be explored. I mean, even though Mariner uh, comes at it from a perspective that like uh, how can such a beautiful person be interested in Boimler? But at the end of the day, it's still her main motive is still you know trying to protect Boimler, and she cares about him so, so much in that kind of way. And when she says that like he is the dog but he's my dog that was really sweet well that yeah. was one part of the plot line do you want to jump into rutherford and tendy yes i do because rutherford and tendy the plot while the story itself of the thing it was basically just them having a friendly competition first of all i have a question ki what is tendy doing repairing stuff on the seritos anyway Isn't she a like medical officer? I know, but you know, initially like they established thing, uh, you know, this weird equation between them that they help out each other, they do things for the sake of others. I don't know. With lower decks, you know, never know. Like initially, that was the one thing which irked me. But then I was like, yeah, I just brushed it off. I was just loving the equation and the friendly banter they were having and the conversations they were having that I overlooked that fact completely. Yeah, it is. I guess it's more like uh, Tendi is such a uh, is so in love with the uh, you know whole idea of being a starfleet officer that. She She's just in her free time. She's just helping out Rutherford, you know, uh, fix the ship, and just geeking out with him over like random things like diagnostics and uh, you know those T eighty eight. They were geeking out over just a tricorder, a T eighty eight, nothing else. Their entire plot yeah. revolved around one basic thing that they were fixing something. Then they got an opportunity to go at Vancouver. They were admiring it. They were in love with this new tricorder called T eighty eight, and there was a friendly competition between them that whoever wins. will get that tricorder and one thing yeah. i should really comment tendy that in spite of rutherford being a cyborg or whatever you could say they both finished equal number of diagnostics 
at equal amount of time i know right yeah like tendy is like super like fast like when he's not using his implant he's like at 16 and tendy is like already at 22 if uh, rutherford did not have that implant i think tendy would be like easily tendy tendy would have beaten him but also like there's this amazing joke at the start where when tendy and rutherford enter the vancouver for the first time they're like all you know completely gobsmacked by the beauty of it and then marin is like it looks exactly like the seritos like well that is the fact right from the outside it does look exactly like the seritos but when they were geeking about the panels that they were talking about half of this techno babble i don't even understand what they're talking about it's just feel good things it's basically white noise or like it's basically asmr for nerds like us you know we just hear techno babble and it just soothes us uh, <laughs> that joke was really good because uh, if you look at it a lot of the star trek episodes there is like there's this so many federation ships and when you cut to the interior of that ship all of them basically have the same interior which is like a nice joke on that <laughs> well it makes sense so what i loved most about this b plot line was both tendy and rutherford when they're working together when they're like nerding out there's such a you know wholesome bunch of people they're like they're nerds and they're such wholesome nerds when they're sitting in the bunk and they're like contemplating whether to transfer to the vancouver and they're like uh, you know it has this it has that and uh, the last thing they say is like it also goes whoosh so well <laughs> the doors always go whoosh well you know this very much reminded me of the comparison that we used to make with O'Brien on Enterprise and with O'Brien on DS9. You say whatever you want, but DS9 being so crappily maintained, he expertized in that and I think that is the same with Rutherford and Tendy. They're swooning over Vancouver, but Seritus is their home. They have their friends there and even though it's imperfect, that's the fun, right? You get things to do there. Yeah, that's what it is. The Seritus constantly keeps breaking down and that's why it's so much fun because they constantly get to like work out problems and, you know, do all this interesting stuff and so yeah in that way i absolutely love like tendy and rutherford are slowly becoming my favorite characters on the show they're so optimistic and they're so wholesome i i, I really love them no doubt about that i'm sure but easily by far the funniest thing for me was the c plot which is like barely a plot which was about captain freeman and all these like purple people and this one red colored guy who are basically arguing that you should not destroy their moon first of all they have like six moons and they're like you you cannot destroy this moon because this will change the tide and our farming will go and this and that on all that so captain freeman is basically trying to solve it and at the end she just gets so frustrated and she just starts you know uh throwing out solutions she gives the most like logical basic solutions and everybody's like oh, okay fine like you don't mind it's nice when freeman gets under pressure she can really like become like a kirk type captain you know uh so she uh, throws out solutions everybody's fine with it except that one red guy who's like if you t- if you blow the fifth moon out of the uh, out of our space then our sixth moon will get polluted and uh, all this like uh, the civilization there will uh, be destroyed and you cannot do that and this and that and he- is like you know our people's murder will be on your hands and your starfleet you're not supposed to be murderers and all this stuff and they keep doing it keep doing it and at the very last moment that guy is like if you blow that moon out the both of us will have to move and she's like what do you mean the both of us how big is your civilization and he just goes just me and my wife you know <laughs> we live on that moon we're kind of rich and freeman just like not even wasting a second she just go blow that goddamn moon out of the <laughs> that is yeah. what i love about lower decks like taking the most obvious scenes that were there in initial star trek but just 
blowing past them in a completely different perspective oh it's just awesome i mean it's such a simple idea that starfleet is such a wholesome you know uh, welfareist organization that they're not going to uh, bow down to a couple of rich guys just because they think that they should be considered more important the woman freeman freeman fi- finds out that this is not about saving the civilization and just these you know two entitled privileged rich people she's just like screw this just <laughs> blow that phone <laughs> And you know what? You know, given there were so many things in this episode, we are gonna introduce a new thing in this episode. Okay, so now okay. we'll talk about our favorite scenes, one each, and then we'll talk about our favorite references to old Trek. What do you say? Oh, okay, yeah, that's that's actually a very good idea. Because this episode had quite a lot of them, so you know, I I'm just yeah. overflowing with that. I'm curious to see if we both uh, got the same references, mm-hmm. like same favorite references, because there is there are a couple of obscure ones in here which I think you and uh, you and I will both uh, really. appreciate yeah absolutely so okay first let's talk about the favorite scenes and then we'll move on to the next part so which one was your favorite scene in this episode i mean i guess it's pretty obvious by now that obviously my favorite scene was when freeman goes full you know badass captain and she does not give two shits and she fully solves that whole crisis in like 2 minutes that was obviously my favorite part of the whole thing and the second favorite i guess would be tendy and rutherford just hanging out in the lower decks bunk beds being all wholesome and nerdy yeah yeah those were quite some nice scenes no doubt about that for me i would say one thing which does not really matter with the story or the plot but the initial scene the opening scene i was in love with that i paused it i just wanted to make it to my wallpaper i was just cropping it i was wasting time to just get that image I out know, of the same scene. same same it looks so beautiful dude yeah you know even in later parts like when the moon was imploding and they had this barrier around it looked so beautiful i really liked those scenes from a you know viewpoint like just to as a graphic point of view and yeah another thing uh, i noticed in the episode, this episode is even though it's like animated so they can pretty much do anything i like that the all the ship technology is very you know still 80s 90s futuristic technology the one they had in like tng and voyager where you where the whole animation about you know the moon that's going to uh, crash into the planet it's basically just the moon and then you know arrows going dot 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 and on the planet it's nothing like futuristic that we have in say like discovery or something like that yeah yeah so i i, I also appreciate that uh, simple fact very much yeah like they are sticking to the canon roots But okay, coming back to scenes, yeah, that was one of my favorite scenes, no doubt about that. And was this uh, from a scene perspective? Let me think of a different one. Which one should I pick? Oh, how about the manner flashback with the old uniforms? Yeah, yeah, that was actually a beautiful scene as well. Like coming to it, yeah. Now that I remember, because Mariner's friend got eaten, but okay, sure, it's beautiful. <laughs> oh come on, it was beautiful because you know we were discussing in one of the episodes that you know we want to see what happened with Mariner. because she talks about so many things that she has lived with so many things this was the first time we actually got to see a flashback where she went to inquito and where she was having a word and then one of the guys turned out to be some kind of alien shape shifter so that scene was good like you know something which we predicted which we wanted so that happened so yeah that brought a closure to that i'll be always obviously looking forward to more such things where you know she draws her knowledge from she does see more experience than the others okay so now that we have covered scenes and the characters and all of that And you know one thing 
that needs to be added here that this episode had i would say equal screen time for all characters like all the main characters i would say that's true yeah, yeah it did i mean it didn't have like say someone like shacks or the you know chief medical officer but you they they're not really big parts of the show anyway Correct. you had good representation for freeman uh, ransom and our main four, uh, four main characters so that was yeah that was really good yeah because in like in previous few episodes we could see that if the main plot is about let's say boimler we don't get to see the others but if the main plot is about say mariner we don't get to see boimler at all which happened in the last episode and previous one where tendy was ignored completely so this episode was like a balance of all and i think this is a correct formula that they have i think probably got i'm sure they have already made the all episode so any of my suggestions won't really help and i'm not sure whether they're listening this or not but yeah but this formula actually you know for me strikes a correct balance alex kusman is just like around the corner listening <laughs> oh it would be great if he's listening to this podcast but yeah like this formula i think seems great where you know there are multiple plots going on with different characters and we get to see what they're doing and we love when rutherford and tendy are nodding out and with a banter between mariner and boimler and all of that so yeah that whole thing seems very good i Hundred percent agree. This was a perfect, you know, ba- perfectly balanced episode where you had a good amount of time for the A plot, a good amount of time for the B plot, which was a little bit frivolous, and then you had like a, a tiny C plot, which was a proper like it was just like two three jokes, but they were really strong jokes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So now that we have already praised this episode so much, why don't we come to the references part of it? Yes. So I'm sure you might have spotted numerous ones, but if you had to point one vivid reference out, which really stuck out for you, which one would that be? Okay. Mine is obviously when Boimler is trying to describe Barbara's oh, ex. Oh, uh, it was the same one, right? Yes. He says, uh, like that guy is like a Kirk Sunday with uh, Trip Tuck, Trip Tucker uh, sprinkles, which was like yeah. I thought, like as soon as Trip Tucker came uh, came up, I was like, Anshul is gonna get this exact reference. Like I absolutely knew it. Well, they merged, you know, original series reference and Enterprise. Hats off to them for sure for just spanning that long distance. Exactly, and it's a nice acknowledgement of the whole. Uh, enterprise canon which isn't referenced that much these days and also like there was another uh, enterprise reference did you like uh, i don't i don't know did you get it yeah wait okay so one i got was suliban's reference exactly yep. yeah yes when they were describing when they were trying to find out whether uh, you know barbara was shift shifter or not yeah she could be a suliban <laughs> i mean i uh, now i'm thinking like if any like anybody who does not know star trek is just going to like Uh, they're gonna think we're going crazy here. Like, yeah, I am so sure. Yeah, why are these two weirdos like geeking out over something called the Suleban? Like, whose name is Suleban? <laughs> like, I'm sure. Like, but that is the fun, you know. When you have watched so much of Star Trek, you find these small references out of nowhere, and you're just geeking your shit out of it. And one more. thing which i liked was uh, in uh, mariner's flashback scene where she just takes a jabs over enterprise where they talk about how data's twin brother is now helping for and that yeah. reference and something is happening every week in that ship so you know that was a nice jab at it yeah that was great that was directly referencing one of the episodes right when uh, lower kind of takes control of the borg that was that was really fun So small quirks which I remember, where Barbara was just quoting and one of her adventures when she was walking with Boimler and Mariner was right behind and they would she was just talking yeah we just uh, cracked that case on 1920s Chicago and all of that I'm like what? oh yeah <laughs> I'm like what how is time travel so frequent in Star Trek yeah even the guy who's like uh, who's trying to get Tendi and Rutherford to transfer he's like so many epic uh, things keep happening on the on the ship every week it's so stressful like you know last week we had to go back in time. to kill a guy who was worse than hitler 
Yeah, like that's just so weird. Like, how is this happening? Like, how is every ship capable of time traveling now? All of a sudden. Yeah, whoever is in charge of the temporal prime director is just like his his uh, you no know, alarm is going off constantly. <laughs> no doubt about that. And the fact that that in Vancouver, whoever was his bad password was Riker. Yeah. <laughs> and another really great thing when the rich red guy who's like, don't blow up a thing, and like, isn't this against the prime directive? And Freeman's like, the prime directive that doesn't even apply. Here. Well, well, well. Oh, this episode had its moments, no doubt about that. One of my favorites for sure. Yeah, so many good moments. One more, I think we should uh, make a regular thing. We talk about on every episode is something like maybe something uh, a moral lesson or something we learned mm-hmm. from this episode in the very Star Trek way. That well, you're making it too kindergarten-y, but okay, go ahead. I mean, yeah, it is. But then again, start like some maybe people need uh, this kind of kindergarten-y stuff where you kind of yes. learn lessons. Yeah. Yeah, but this one has a, had a pretty, I mean, straightforward lesson that people should, uh, you know, you should accept people, who, uh, you know, as they are, and uh, it's fine if they don't accept you as they're not, and uh, the people who really matter will, uh, you know, will take care of you and will uh, will accept you. However dorky you are. Yeah, makes sense. And you know what? In addition to it, I would also say that you should follow your passion. You should stick to what you do, like what you love, which happened with Rutherford and Tendi, where yeah. you know they saw something beautiful. They saw something which they aspired to. They swooned over, but they stuck to their ship, right? Because that is what they enjoyed. That is what the friends were like. That is what fulfilled them. That is also a good message to take away in this competing world, where one just wants to go for the next best thing. So I would say that people exactly. need to take a pause and you know realize what's important for them and stick with it. Maybe. Boimla needs to be more careful the next time or like maybe just shampoo your hair so that you know no parasite is stuck in it. Yeah, well these days guys please shampoo your entire body, sanitize yourself. <laughs> that is more important. Another great lesson imparted by Star Trek. No doubt. Okay, I guess this will continue if you don't stop but then thank you Pushkar for again joining me. We'll meet you again next week for the next episode of course. and to the audience as well. Till then, thank you so much. Bye-bye and see you in the next episode. Yes, live long and prosper. Live long and prosper. Thank you to all the listeners. I'll catch up with you again soon with someone new and lots of interesting discussions. So, bye.